0: Welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds.
1: Good evening, everyone. We are eight minutes late, and I apologize deeply um, because we were at my cousin's house and he was making syrup. Um, Tracy Pinterest here, though. Candlebox fan. Um... Piano boy, Cat. Cat, I thought you were somebody I knew that lives around the corner from me for a moment there. That's why I was looking at the profile picture. Um, what's that? Oh, look at you right. with your volume. Anyway, everybody. So I'm going to say hi to everyone in just a second, but I just want to let people know in case they've not been here before. It's uh, it's Sunday night, and what we do on Sunday nights is we answer questions from people that are, like, freaking out about teaching and stuff like that. Um, my hair is very flat this evening. Uh, but that's the idea. The idea here is what did I feel like when I first started teaching and was freaking out every Sunday night? And then how could I create something that would allow folks to not just connect and ask questions of me, but like, ask questions of all of you, you know, brilliant people out there, everyone from uh, Richard Royster to Leah Pratt to, uh, who's my favorite name on the internet? Shirley Martini, um, Tracy Pinter, all those good folks. Like, um, so we meet here every Sunday night, like a, it's like a tradition now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I see all you on there. Winslow teacher, what's up, girl? Uh that was like a year ago that we met. We were out in Colorado. Nahara is on. She's like, yeah, finally made it back. Oh, Nahara uh-huh. from China. Um, uh-huh. made it back to the live stream. And I Nahara, I always tell my students about you. I'm like, someone, they're like, where else in the world do people watch from? I'm like, how about China? That's pretty good. Um see tabitha chauncey saran saranar saranar you no know, <laughs> i think i'm saying that right mel um a look inside a blind teenager's life is that so i know we've talked yeah. before but is that it
0: does she have a youtube channel Let's
1: see. are you clicking on it mm-hmm. look at you looking it up she does she have fast. a youtube channel just few. interesting cool good for you um Sheena Caldwell. That sounds like a name of someone I knew, like when I was younger or something yes, like that. Uh, Stephanie Henry. I see Jerry on there. Um, the Harrison family vlogs. Everybody's on here. All right. Here's the deal. Um, so, a couple of things. Um, if you have questions, go ahead and ask them. Put that stuff out there. And remember, I, I, I'm not the only person answering these. So, like, people in the comments will answer your your questions as well. Um, and that just kind of gives you like sometimes I don't know everything, right? Like I sometimes people ask me stuff about like first grade or something like that or some reading program I never heard of. And that's cool, right? Like I'm not the be all end-all. What we're doing is creating the space for people to ask questions. All right, you got any questions on there?
0: Piano yeah, voices. Have you been to Gettysburg?
1: Um, I did, I spoke at I don't know if it was Gettysburg High School, but it was a high school in Gettysburg for a conference called EdCamp, like a couple of months ago. Um, and then I was up at, uh I spoke last week at Hershey Hotel, which is like right across the street from Hershey Park in Hershey, Pennsylvania, at the Pete and C conference last week, which was fun. Cause that was work all day, drive two hours to a conference, speak, drive two hours home. And then I saw it run, oh, I didn't run yet today either. I still gotta do that too. All right. Um, so first question tonight is a look inside a of a blind teacher's, li- blind teenager's life, rather. What advice would you give me? I'm a 12th grader and I'm blind and I want to be a special ed preschool teacher. Um, I say go teach. Um, look, I think this there has to be like, you know, there has to be folks out there that, you know, look or have had experiences like the rest of us, right? That like, no matter how unique your situation seems, there has to be somebody out there that's done it before. And if somebody could do it, then anybody can do it, right? So I think it's a matter of searching online to see if um, somebody else has a story that's very similar to yours, and then figuring out like the nuts and bolts of that. Like, I don't know that I can give really good advice to that, but my my gut tells me that it's all the same stuff. And, and, in a sense is that it's building relationships and having great lessons. And, you know, there might be limitations there, but uh, I think there's, I honestly think there's limitations for everyone. So like where I teach, I hear, you know, and I'm, I'm not trying to draw comparisons necessarily between the, these two things, but like where I teach, I get a lot of folks that are like, well, at all boys school in West Billy, like you do better because you're a man. Right. And if like other like if a woman taught there, they wouldn't be able to do as well. And I don't think that that's true because I know tons of women that I work with that like crush it and have really great experience there. Um, So it's not just because of one thing ever. So the dog threw up. Oh, that's you know. Nice. That's
0: gross. Just now. No, I literally almost put my notebook
1: on it. I almost put your notebook. All right. Let me go back to my live feed now. You guys take care of that vomit on the couch. Uh, Malik Strouder is saying, hey Reynolds or anyone else, I graduate college this year and hopefully start teaching in August. Any tips for a first time teacher? I'm super nervous uh, and I'm super excited to start. Yeah, just be super excited to start. You're going to be nervous and I don't think there's anything you can do to kind of like get over that. Uh, It's just the nature of the beast. Um, But just I think knowing that part of that is like, Part of the good stuff is just like knowing, yeah, I'm going to be nervous, like, and I can't get over it. So, not looking for something that's going to get you over that. I think, and then just try to have fun. Like, like, I think, oh, gosh, I, I, it's not like make the room you always wanted, make the lessons you always wanted, make the connections you always wanted. Like, don't wait to be the teacher you always wanted. I think that's like my number one piece of advice to people and then start planning now like start connecting with those teachers now email people in the school now see like what their gig is like as soon as you get a job for anyone it's like trying to connect with those teachers um because they're going to be what sets you at like buoyancy neutral when things kind of get crazy a lot of sneaking around going on behind me this evening uh yeah so let's look because my wife left Uh, Nayara for music says, Nayara is from China. I know I mention that every time, but I'm just amazed that somebody that lives all the way in China is watching this. Uh, starting a new semester after two weeks off for Chinese New Year. That is right. The Chinese food joint across the street from my house closed the other night, and we didn't know why, because they never, ever close. And then we found out it was for Chinese New Year. Two weeks off. That's awesome. Last semester was tough for me as a teacher. Any tips for starting fresh today. I think, you know, sometimes kids come back better. Like I know when we have time off, the students just come back like refreshed. And, and a lot of times students are sort of like puppies where, you know, you yelled at them five minutes ago, but then they want to be your friend, you know, five or 10 minutes later. So I think just I would, one of my new things like that I start doing at this point in the year is I literally reverse engineer my my year. So I literally write down Everything I hope to accomplish, what I want my year to look like, who I want to have come in, uh, what kind of like as a speaker, who I, where I want to go on trips, what books I, I want to make sure we read, what things have we not gotten through so far this year, but I want to make sure that we get through them, what uh, what needs to be reinforced that we haven't grasped since the beginning of the year. And then it's just like, like coming up with that map. And then reverse engineering it, like how am I going to hit all these things? Where where are they where do they come into play? And that allows you, I think, to finish the year strong. Because really, I mean, in the U.S. anyway, our school my school year is done the end of May, and then we just have finals in June. But that's like five minutes from now. Like it's so short that you really have to plan it out and have it really well planned out to make sure you're hitting all those milestones that you want to hit. Um, And so that I think that's the one difficult part about having as much autonomy as I have is that like, you could do anything, go anywhere. And sometimes too many choices is, is too much. And it's, it's not easy to do kind of that way. Um, Let's see. What's up unicorns rock. Uh, Chauncey Allison is saying I'm studying music education. It seems that master's degrees are almost a necessity thoughts, so I think that depends on where you want to teach. In Philadelphia, they are not a necessity yet. But I know from what I understand, like places like uh, like up in Boston, so in Massachusetts, they're necessary. I think it depends on your state. And a lot of times it depends on the school, right? So like they want to see that they have like super educated folks coming in, uh, which is funny because you spend all that money on education and then you don't make it back when you start getting paid. So because uh, I think like in Jersey, it was like, a $2,000 pay increase a year if you had your master's degree. So, never got that situation. Um, But yeah, so I I think that it just depends on where you want to teach, also. Um, Tabitha Harris, you could always speak at my wedding March 28th. Just let me know where it is. We'll make it happen. Um, Oh, Lynchfield, Illinois. Where's Lynchfield, Illinois? You're really doing a lot. Of, now you're walking by with vomit in it.
0: That's not
1: vomit. It's just cleaning. Um, sh- 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 just saying. Sorry, it's taking me a minute because my wife's cleanup uh Um, Winter ogilvy dude. If I just got that name right, bam. Um. How do you handle another teacher that disagrees with your methods he thinks the only way to be a good teacher is to have them on the computer teaching themselves whereas I actually want to teach yeah I think that's I think that's look I, I think it's worth a conversation I think when someone doesn't like what I do I like to ask them questions like why why would you say that why would you think that what's your reasoning behind that like what do you um, and then push like have the conversation and instead of like just, like just standing your ground and being open to the fact that like maybe some of what they're saying is true like maybe you're not right and and being open to that too because i think when we're open to that um it, you still might think the way that you think at the end but then you're hearing you're willing to hear somebody else out and that creates a space in a school it creates a culture of dialogue where people are sharing ideas and uh not being afraid to to talk with one another and then just being prepared to say like this is why i This is what I've seen in my classroom, like why I like doing what I'm doing, uh, because I want them to to have that interactive piece. And, and, you know, between those things, I think it's a both end. I don't I I think there's a middle ground there. I don't think it's one or the other uh, in the classroom. I think very few things in the classroom are just binary. I think that they are there is a combination of things that need to happen in the classroom to reach all the different types of students that we have. So I would just keep having the conversation. Did
0: you do that one? This one right here?
1: No. Uh, Kristen Ivanova. Uh, that really wasn't that difficult. I made that sound like it was going to be way harder. Uh, hey, I interviewed for a high school SS position, social studies position. That was abruptly opened this month. After at another school, I'm losing my mind. I'm waiting to hear back. So my question is, how do I tell if a school? Wait, how do you tell if a school okay. likes you? I would so, Kristen. I always do this. I have um, personalized thank you cards, but you can just go to like any store and buy thank you cards. And then I handwrite a thank you card to the individuals that were um, a part of my interview process. So, like, and I do this anytime I speak anywhere, anyone I meet. So, if I go to an event and I get business cards from people, I literally handwrite, you know, 20 or 30 30 handwritten cards back to every single individual I, I met. And this is why it breaks through the noise when all these people interview and then all of them send thank you emails that just clogs up everyone's email box. They're not even reading that stuff. But to get a card in the mail that someone actually wrote with an actual pen is like, something that used to be the standard but now that it's not it allows you creates that white space for you to kind of break through and make your mark and someone to go oh yeah that's really nice that they thought to do this so that's what i would do um send a card and then see what they have and then say something like hey thanks so much for having me you know i really appreciated it um maybe call out something that they said in the meeting and then um i look forward to hearing back from you all because you know i'd love the position or whatever it is but like uh, I think the handwritten card is the way to go. Uh, Jerry, uh, Chris, Chris, Chris. How did you, how you I don't
0: know. All I'm
1: right. sorry, sorry, sorry dude. Uh, Jerry is saying, "What types of changes have you seen in student behavior and attitudes as it relates to the gamer generation? For example, millennials and Gen Z. How are uh, gaming? How is gaming shaping learners in the classroom?" So, look, my homie Michael Matera wrote a book. Um, on the gamification of education. And he, he teaches through games all the time. Like that's his, his jam. And so I'd say that book is, uh, one that I would, you know, say is, is the move right there. Um, you know, I think here, here's my thoughts on that is that if you find that, look, there's a million ways to teach every different thing that we teach, but I think it's if we teach through the lens of what the students are currently interested in, like I think kids are always changing in that sense. Um, I don't think kids are always changing in terms of like, and I know you didn't ask this, but somebody left this. I saw it on a website the other night where people were sort of like bashing kids of today. Like they're more entitled or they're more this or they're more that. And I think, Every old generation looks at every young generation and says the same thing. It's just like when my sophomores come back every year and they look at the freshmen and they go, Yo, we were never like these dudes are out of pocket. We were never like this. I'm thinking, Bro, you were exactly the same way. Like, you've, I think that there's more similarities than there are differences over the years. So, I think that if you find your students are, you know, a part of that gamer generation, like, you know, I don't use gamification in my classroom very much. Um, it's just not my style, but I do teach through, um, you know, Fortnite, like my vocab lessons are, are attached to Fortnite or I teach, we just read the sniper last week, which was perfect. And talking about, uh, Fortnite, um, or whatever else the students are into, I always teach through that lens. Cause I just think that it works better. So whatever my kids are into, whether it's you know, Pokemon or Avengers or whatever, like that's the that's the ones I teach through. That's a really great question though. But I think so my friend Michael Matera's book um is called
0: Gamification.
1: No, it's called like something else.
0: Explore like a gamer. Explore you, yes. Is it over there? Keep going. All right, all right.
1: right. Um my bad. So I'm gonna show you what that book looks like in a second. Um Audra Smith said, just went to a conference with Bettina Love yesterday. Have you heard of her? She's amazing. I've never heard of her, um, but I'll look it up. I'll write it down. Um,
0: Bettina Love.
1: Uh, So it's on now. I'll check it out. And then my buddy, the year of Winslow, is saying, I'm looking into changing schools this year. I've only taught high school history, but I am – looking at both middle school and high school how do i make myself look good even when i haven't taught middle school um cuz i think it's the same game i think it's it is about your passion your ability to teach i think it's about your connection with the students i think it's about um what you're willing to bring to the school other than just teaching like how like how are you willing or hoping to enhance their community of educators that are there like you bring good energy you like want to connect with people you want to partner with other teachers you want to like make the school the best that you can be and be a part of that that community um you know i think it's like steve martin said like be so good that they can't ignore you and so you're just kind of being so good that like they're not gonna it's not gonna matter that you're jumping from year to year that might actually be beneficial because you you know teaching high school and then teaching middle school it's like you already know what you wish the kids knew in high school and so now as a middle school teacher, you get to actually implement some of that stuff and get the kids ready in ways that they weren't ready when you were teaching high school. Uh, that book is Explore Like a Pirate and it is all about um, sort of like engaging students through gamification. Um, and this dude's awesome. He's bloody mine. Uh, this is along with like like Dave Burgess's uh, group of dudes like Adam Welcome and Todd Nesaloni and all those guys, like they are all part of the same kind of pirate crew are. Gavin DeGust is saying, my question is what are the best steps to take to make myself more employable for a high school? So I think it is, gosh. So if I'm thinking about getting ready, I I just, I think it's experience overall. So look, some schools are going to look at your, like I I had a school ask for my college transcript that wanted to see my grades. I had a school that wanted me, you had to have a master's to get into. There were other schools that wanted to know your experience, but look, you know, I'm a college, I'm a community college graduate that went to a, then I transferred to a state school, Roman university in New Jersey. And so I didn't have like the background of like, going to university of Pennsylvania or Harvard or Yale or, you know, any, any really, really top notch school. But what I had was a, like an ability to like, I'm willing to outwork anybody else. I'm willing to like, not like, I don't care if I look like a fool, like I'm willing to get dirty. And I think that for me, it was more about getting the opportunity. Like if I could get the opportunity, then I could crush the game. Um, but it's getting in there. It's getting the the interview. So what I would do on the front end is like try and get in front of students or put yourself in moments where like you're actually teaching as much as possible. You're working after school programs, summer camps, um, tutoring kids on the side, like whatever you can do to make yourself the actual best that you can be, that's what you want to do to make sure that like when when it's when you're given the opportunity, you are prepared to do so.
0: I don't know what the question is.
1: Okay. Um, Caitlin Jarrett is saying, I'm going to college to become a high school math teacher. So I'm going to become an, so I'm going to become a new teacher. When I do is when I do, what is some things I need for my classroom for my students? Um, I'm also new to your channel. Well, welcome to my channel, Caitlin. Um, I would say, geez, it's really going to depend on what kind of kids you're teaching. Right. So like I teach, Two classes a day of students that are that read sort of below, they have some something going on, um, more so than like my other classes. Meaning, some kids have really bad ADHD, some kids have um processing just like issues, some kids have like uh, what's it called when you get mad real quick?
0: Oh, or oh, like gosh, uh, gosh, like
1: sorry, like, yes. like yeah, but like um, mm-hmm. defiance, yeah, what is it called? Defiance disorder, yes. something, something along those lines, right? Uh, and so for my classroom, I have a number of things and a number of ways that I teach stuff, like whether that's being active in the classroom, whether that's having standing desks in the back, whether that's having like places for kids to move around, whether that's having jobs that kids have, like somebody's job now is to freeze the Promethean board when I need it. Somebody's job is to take attendance every day. Somebody's job is to hand out notebooks. And that is like intentional because it gives kids something to do in the beginning of class um
0: take out my YouTube channel Reynolds gaming
1: you could have a YouTube channel based on just all the apples you eat okay. all the time all right later man um, so it's gonna depend on the needs of your students but I would be very mindful when you start that chat or when you start that job to just keep an eye on and see like what the kids actually need in your class and then attune yourself to that and then maybe even talk to other teachers and say like hey, what's some other stuff that I could use in my classroom um, based on, the population that we have this year like because teachers that have been around a while might be able to tell like way faster from the jump um mr j walter is saying what difficulties do you see for a person with I think it's dyslexia. dyslexia in the teaching profession isn't it funny that the word dyslexia is is like not something dyslexics would be able to spell.
0: No, I constantly have no to that, rely and on. I keep.
1: <laughs> last week I wrote the word entrepreneur a bunch of times. I'm like, touch too many vowels. This yeah. word makes no
0: sense. Why would they make it? It's, it's it doesn't make any sense. Um, There's actually a really good reason why dyslexia is the way it is. Like the root, like the Latin and all that. Like yeah, yeah.
1: So, uh, Mr. Walter, I would say, look, I, I think. I, look, I don't, I don't know this, but my, my gut tells me that I have some level of <laughs> dyslexia, right? And so I've never been tested for it in my life, and it wasn't something that my parents looked out for. I'm not sure it's something that they knew uh, to look out for, right? When they, when I was growing up. But that being said, um, when I read in class, I do not like reading aloud to my class. I'm an English teacher, right? So like, it's required of me to read aloud to my class. So a lot of times before we read, I'll read through what we're going to read that day first because when i read silently i don't have a problem but when i have to read out loud i screw up a lot so i read through things and then i do better and i notice that because when i read the same thing 5 times a day i found that with the first one or two times i read it it was kind of messy and then the third through the fifth time i was like killing it and i could read with perfect inflection and read it as a character and i knew it was coming up and it was really great so that's one thing that i would just sort of like note um With other things, I would just have somebody maybe maybe like if you have like long worksheets or or you have stuff that you have to write out and you're afraid that there might be some mistakes in there, have somebody else look over it first, one, or two. um, I give kids like I can't spell to save my life. I have gotten so bad at spelling, and I really think part of that is because of autocorrect. Like I've been messing things up for so long and then the computer or the phone just changes it for me that I didn't even know I was spelling, you know, potato wrong or entrepreneur or whatever else. So I think um, so what I've done is if I ever do mess something up, I give points and I tell kids I did it on purpose. And then I'm like, uh, great, that was really great. Because to be honest, they're finding spelling mistakes. They're finding grammar mistakes. They're finding things I did that were wrong. And it's like I applaud them for that, and then I just tell them to circle it, and then I give them a point on it if they find something like that. So I wouldn't worry about it too much, Um, and I wouldn't be afraid to be open to it, right? Because as we all know, like being dyslexic doesn't mean you're stupid or you're less than, right? It just means you learn differently. It means your brain actually works differently. And so I would own that. I own the fact also that I read incredibly slow, that I have – but I pretty much do everything slow. Yes. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> she's seen me wash dishes. It takes like three days, but um, I just own that at this point in my life. I'm not trying to be faster. I'm not trying to be quicker as a reader. Like I know how I work, and I get that's I work how I work, and that's it. So
0: someone said Grammarly.com saves my life. Like, Grammarly.com. I hear a yeah. lot of people
1: talk about that. I outside. don't
0: know if you
1: knew what that was. I do. They always have annoying pre-roll ads for uh for YouTube all the time. Yeah, grammarly.com, and it's a lady that talks like this. All right, come on, answer like no one talks in their whole life. Should I read the next question like this? No, Jules G is asking. Um, <laughs> any questions for a class that is uh virtually comatose? I'm first period in getting participation is like pulling teeth sometimes, they don't want to move or do anything but sit there and be too cool. So, Jules, what what grade are we talking about here, first of all? Um, and second, I think. One of the ways that I do it is, so here's two ideas you could try even tomorrow or if you have off tomorrow on Tuesday. Um, I would say one is putting, one, 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 is putting them in small groups like two kids or maybe three. And so if they have to write something down, make those groups talk about it first. And then when you come back together, you're not allowed to say what your answer was, right? So maybe, maybe it's something simple, like, What song best represents you? Or uh, a journal interview we had the other day was, would you rather have a short but um, amazing life or or extraordinary life, a short but extraordinary life or a long but average life? And so uh, you put kids in small groups and then they have to say what the other person had as their answer, right? They can't say their own. And so now you're not so self-conscious, like you're sharing somebody else's story. Um, And so that is easier. We also have a thing that you can call whatever you want cuz some people get weirded out by the word devil but um we have i uh, sort of insert a devil's advocate into the class and or maybe two. And the way that we do that is when we're having a class discussion about something um even if you get one kid that answers a question the, the devil's advocate's I job is to sit in the back and just um disagree with anything that's said even if they believe it at the to their core, right? So maybe they are come from a family that's hardcore um, Democrat, right? And somebody speaks out, um, a you know, for Democrats. Their job is to go against them, so it, it forces them to go against what they believe in sometimes. But it also makes it fun because. That's their job is to just call people out all the time. And it makes for really interesting discussions because it gets people really riled up. And then once you get people riled up and it's like, all right, game on. The other thing I'm just thinking real quick, too, is and this is enter at your own risk. I have a box in my room that's like just like this big and it has a big question mark on it. It's called the box of questions and students anonymously put questions in there during the week. And on Friday, sometimes if we have extra time. I pull a couple of questions out and I answer them. And they can be questions about anything. It can be about you know stuff that's personal to them, stuff that they are just not sure about in the world that they're like, this is a weird thing that I don't know about. I'm too embarrassed to ask everyone. Um, And then I answer those questions. And since I'm the one pulling them out, if it's something weird and I don't wanna like read it, I don't have to, but I do have that ability. And that allows kids to ask questions that are like, personal um or serious and not have to like voice them in, in the class and they have no names on them or anything so it's completely anonymous but i would try those three things uh what am i looking at here
0: i'm sorry dude dyslexia isn't and i had to answer that
1: you know i'm not going you know i'm going to say no no
0: which one did you
1: last answer? uh that was jules jake because i don't mind. Um, Rebecca Murphy is saying any advice for a former elementary teacher switching to high school? Uh, most of them respect me, but there are still several that would rather try to make me look stupid than get to know me. I think Rebecca, so gosh, um, first of all, jump from elementary school to high school. That is, that is a big jump. Um, I can't imagine going the other way, going from high school to elementary school. Um, even though I love that age, I just, it's a different muscle. I feel like you're, you're using there. So I would say, um, gosh, any advice? for If someone's trying to make you look stupid, then get to know you. Uh, I would just ride it out. So look, I I think sometimes it comes down to people like kids, not knowing you. And then eventually they will know you or one, some, at some point someone is going to, Something awful is going to happen and you're going to be there to like stand up for them or to help them or they got bullied or teased by someone else and you can be the voice of reason or they got in trouble and they're going to need you to come to the office and stick up for them like that opportunity you have to just look for your in for certain students and look and then sometimes you're just not going to win everyone over sometimes you're going to get kids that are just like not going to you're you're not their person right they're not you're not going to win them over. And I think the job, our job then is to just really focus on the kids that are open to what we're doing and are open to the opportunities and open to the sort of care that we want to provide for them or that we're capable of providing for them. And then the other students, like, it's like, I I can't make you like me, right? Um, you could go to other teachers that they get down with, try and find out what their story is, because sometimes, you know, it's like you just don't know what's going on in their life. Maybe they Got along with the teacher that was there before you. Maybe there's something going on at home. Maybe there's something there that you can really kind of help out with, um, or or would at least give you a bit more empathy for students that like when you find out that like you know dad's in jail or mom died or parents are going through a divorce or whatever it is. Like it gives you that little bit of a uh, of grace for kids when when that those sorts of things are going on. What you got there, buddy?
0: Um, oh gosh,
1: that came out of nowhere. Maybe it came out of me waiting for a long time. Shush. A okay. um, Lydia Barter is asking, hey Reynolds, I start my social, social studies, I think that's social or student, SS teacher training. Oh, SS teacher training, okay. Um, in September in England, I'm so excited I've been told it's quite intense. What's your top tips for getting the most out of, um, getting the most from this training? I, I think one is sitting in on other teachers' classes. I think always sitting in on other teachers' classes is the move because you get to see sometimes like what students are like in other classes. So if they're talking a lot, if they are participating a lot, if they're great students, if they need extra attention, like you get to sit back and sort of survey the situation and see who's who. I love doing this in my school. We are will sit in the back and just see like kids that I teach normally. And like, are they a pain for everyone? Or like, are they particularly good in this class? And why are they doing that when they're a pain in my class? I'm sorry. I don't think I've ever yawned during live feed, but you know, <laughs> that happened twice already tonight. Uh, I think the other thing is trying to get involved outside of the classroom. Can you be a part of, I don't know, the volleyball team, the production team, the drama club, like, What can you just not necessarily lead, but like just be a part of? Because when you see kids outside of class, you definitely get a fuller like understanding of who they are. And then being visible, I think, is the other thing. Greeting kids at the door, saying goodbye when they leave, hanging out during lunch, talking to kids in the hallways or getting ready in the morning. Like just saying what's up to dudes, letting the unseen kid feel seen is going to really, really help you to come off as someone that cares and not someone that just like, walks down the hallway on their way to whatever they're doing, but you're just like, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies as you're walking around um, is, you know, are like my top ones that I would go to. Um, Ricardo de Luna is saying, Hey, Mr. Reynolds, greetings from Mexico. I love Mexico. I'm going to go there one day. Um, I work in a Catholic private school and I'm the only one who tries so bad for students to like me. Students don't learn from people they don't like, correct. So is, I didn't
0: know what the question
1: was. Oh, Am I the only one who tries to? Be? No, I don't, I don't think so. I, but I think I wouldn't try to make kids like me. Uh, I, I think what I try to do is cultivate a space in which kids want to be, right? So my classroom looks the way that it does. If you've watched my YouTube videos, Or looked at my Instagram, like it looks the way it does because I want it to be inviting for students. I act the way that I act, so it's inviting to students. I invite students in, but if they don't want to take me up on that, that's on them. But so many times when students start hanging out, so I had a kid come in the other day, right? Let me give you this example. Student comes in and there was a problem earlier in the week. He came in to apologize and to shake my hand. And I told him I would not shake his hand. I said, First, you have to sit down and have a conversation with me because I think you think you're just going to shake my hand and then we're going to move on with life. And then that's just not how it's going to go down. So what I want to do instead of that is I heard his story. I asked him questions. And the whole time I was talking to him, this is during lunch in my room, he kept looking around because there were dudes like not too far away from him. And when I noticed him doing this enough times, I said, look, here's what you need to know is that literally everyone in this room, all 25 kids, have had an interaction like this that I'm having with you right now. Like every single one of them has had a hard talk. We've had to talk about something that they were doing, something that was wrong, something that they did inappropriately. And then we had real rap with Reynolds. And now they're all in here. I'm like, none of these dudes ever hung out before this, but this is the safe space. So you having this conversation with me isn't, something they're particularly interested in or they're listening into what we're saying because they've been in your shoes also. Right. And now they will know you in the hallway and they will act accordingly. Like they'll say what's up or ask how someone's doing or check in on them because they know that we're, it's someone that we're kind of like pulling into the flock of children. Um, So I think it is creating space. So when kids come in, they are actually seeing it and not just hearing from you like how great it is and then just start slowly like you don't have to win everybody over but if you get one or two kids and then that snowballs over time and then next year you know they come back and you get one or two more kids or five more kids and then before you know you have too many kids in your classroom all the time and you just want to go home at the end of the day that's how it rolls out uh i need coffee I think I've talked about this before, but that's a great profile picture. Um, I just started teaching this second semester. My students took a unit test with me and their grades definitely suggested that I didn't teach them well enough. I told them that it was my fault and that I would curve their tests. Any advice on how to move on from this point? Yeah, learn from your mistakes and just keep going. I think um, it could be you, could be the students, not really sure there. Um, But I think... I, th- I think, so look, one of the things I like that you did was you just named the problem. Like telling students like, hey, look, my bad. I I screwed up. I didn't do well enough. I didn't prepare well enough. I'm, I'm figuring this out as I go. I think that's a really good move. And, it's, and it shows the students that like we can own our mistakes and that like adults make mistakes also. And I don't think kids get that enough from adults where they just like concede the point and say what they did was wrong. I think the other piece of that is trying, just trying to, to go back and review what you did and see where you could have done better. Maybe talk to another teacher, maybe find a mentor, maybe like, um, connect with people on here or in the Facebook group that we have real Reynolds, real rap with Reynolds teacher talk. You can connect with people on there, drop in your question, drop in exactly what you did, and then like, see what other people would say about that as well. So, but look, this is going to happen, like not just now, but like for the rest of your career. Well, you'll, you know, last year's lesson was awesome, and then you try and recycle it the following year, and it just falls apart because the kids aren't interested in it anymore, or like this group of kids is different. I, I find that every year around this time, February or March, I really have to like recalibrate everything that I'm doing to figure out like what what's working, what's not working, what are we what have we been learning, what are we still struggling with. And then regrouping for the rest of the year. I can't like plan it all out. And then it's this plan that I'm like, yes, this has been, this is 20 years of like pretty much teaching the same thing. Um, You can't do that. It's always evolving. So I think the lesson here is to learn how to keep evolving. And I think that's by looking back, seeing what you did right, seeing what you could have done better, and then applying those lessons as you go forward. Matthew Dixon is saying, Mr. Reynolds, do you create your own curriculum or did the school provide it you with it? I have to create my own curriculum. Um, how would it be best to start the process? So, uh, Matt, I do create my own curriculum. I work with the other ninth grade teachers now though. So there's three of us this year, ninth grade literature teachers, because in our school literature is one class. And then, um, what is it called? What do they call it? Uh, not writing, whatever. No, I'm I forgetting this all of a sudden. Whatever, writing is a different class, so I do have to come up with my own stuff. But I now that there's so many other English teachers, I work with them to come up with stuff together. The other thing I would do is just search stuff online, and I would look up whatever it is that you want to teach, and or like look up like ninth grade unit plans, University ninth grade composition. Okay, who said it, Amir? Oh, all right, Amir. thanks, Amir. Um, Amir is one of my students, so they. Uh, I would look up like um, if say you're teaching Lord of the Flies, Lord of the Flies unit plans or Lord of the Flies unit plans, D O C, which means you're going to look it up as a document and not a PDF. So you can manipulate it. Um, I like teachers.net is a really great site. It's Harry Wong's site and you can go in the top. There's tons of free content. You know, you could use something like um, teachers pay teachers, but it's money that like, to be honest, I'm not against Teachers Pay Teachers. I'm not all for it either because my kids get a lot of nonsense sent home from Teachers Pay Teachers. But like, it is a a jumping off point sometimes where it's like you get somebody's unit plan and then you can manipulate it with stuff that you want to do. What I do is I go online, I look up everything I can for a book, I print all of it out and then I literally read through it and I'll like either set it up all over my dining room table or tape it to the wall or to my whiteboard and then I figure it out, it looks like minority report in there. It's like, I start taking like, all right, I really like this activity. I like this activity. I like the way they ask questions here. I like that they did this. And then I start compiling different pieces from different, uh, from folks, lesson plans that I really like, and then put those together and figure out how I can write a unit plan for what I've come, like come up with there. So it's that, it's that simple. I, I guess that's simple. Sounds simple. So it's, it's a lot of work, but you know, once that's really done the first year, you really revamp it the second year. And then, um, then you're just fine tuning. I feel like from then on out, you're not just like recreating the wheel all the time. Sandy H is saying, hello, off topic. Sure. Um, do you know when you are coming to Pittsburgh and where, so I'm going to, I'm going to for next weekend, I'm going to Marywood university, which I think is in Scranton, um, which isn't Pittsburgh. I forget where I'm, I'm speaking in Pittsburgh. We need to make a thing for the website that tells folks like we're. we're. So the, Just look, it's like there's so much stuff going on right now from literally like the YouTube channel to speaking a lot more. Like a lot of engagements are trying coming to up. Get
0: products Play on the gigs,
1: website. trying to get products onto the website, finishing the website. Um, Now writing the book every single day. I come home. I spend an hour to an hour and a half trying to write the book and then even more time on the weekends. Uh, we need
0: to hire somebody, Yeah, but we can't afford to hire yeah, I anybody. Know. So it's like,
1: it is, so I, one of the things I want to have on the website is like all the different places I'm speaking and whether they're open or whether they're closed, but University of Pittsburgh is coming up. Um, but I will, I will look that up because it's upstairs somewhere that we're in an email or something. Um,
0: What's you that? can just email us also if you're like in the area and you want to know so you can attend something i feel like just shoot an email and then we'll get back to you
1: yeah yeah that's the best method yeah right do that now. so shoot me an email and then i'll shoot you an email back and let you know when i'm gonna do there um what do you got nothing uh, singing time no <clears throat> just happen to have a microphone right here
0: Oh, are you going to keep everyone in suspense um, i believe
1: the children are our future Teach well. Okay. all right It's i was getting warmed up there in my in my soul cavity uh matthew keen is saying respectively or retrospectively speaking um what did you do well in your teaching career and where did you what did you do poorly how do you improve from year 1 to 2 to 3 so i think <sighs> What I did well was I didn't wait to be the teacher I wanted to be, right? So, like, initially, I think, like, I I think the thing I did wrong was, like, it came in. I tried to be serious at first. And, like, like st- I was the guy that stood in front of the room and was, like, if people were talking, I'd be, like, it's okay. I'll wait. And then I just kept waiting for, like, a long time. And then nobody would shut up. And I eventually had to to Figure out a different way. Um, I was afraid of the kids when I started, and I think that that was a weak move. I think I had been around students more. Um, so I went from like growing up in Haddon Heights, New Jersey, which is like uh, all white, you know, suburban community where like we didn't, we literally didn't lock our doors at night, um, to I went to a very tough high school, which was like one of the roughest high schools in South Jersey. And that kind of opened me up to like a different world. But then when I started teaching, I taught in um, my students were about 60 percent African-American and 40 percent Latino. But and the, the issue with that was that I didn't know I didn't take time to learn the community. I didn't take I never like I like drove from my house to work every day and then taught the kids that I taught. And I got to know them and I spent time listening to them, but I didn't take the time to like actually know the community in which I was teaching. I never like went to the corner store or walked down to the park or took a different way home to kind of see where my kids were, where they were living and what that life might be like, even from the comfort of my car. Right. So that was that was a bad move. And I think when you teach somewhere, no matter where you teach, right, whether you're teaching in, you know, the mountains of of Kentucky or the inner city or in a really nice community like knowing the community as much as you can is a good move. And I didn't do that my first year. Um, I just, I I don't know what the hell I was coming up with stuff from. Um, I didn't gear what I was teaching towards my students first either. And so I thought, I love this, 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 and this. So my love for something will surely come through and kids will be enamored by, and, and will love Romeo and Juliet also, or they'll love, I don't know, the Odyssey or whatever else we were talking about. Walden, there was a, that was a good move. Um, cause you know, ninth graders love Walden. So I didn't think about that either. Like what lens can I teach through so that the students care? Um, but what I think I did write was like, I did try to make lessons that were engaging. So like when I made uh, my first year, I made a lesson about, um, Martin Luther King's, I have a dream speech and we were talking, it was for black history month and we were going to talk about persuasive essays and how that was a really great example of persuasive essays But then uh, I remember like I was so stoked. I spent like a long weekend working on this. And then I came into school on Monday and it totally bombed. Like kids hated it. And I was like, what the frig!" Like I just spent so much time coming up with this. And I just remember going home and I was like, I cannot do this. I'm not made for this job. And so I trashed that whole thing. I went in on that following day and I said, well, look, what do you guys want to learn or how do you want to learn? How do you wish school was better? Like what sucks about school? We actually had that conversation and I gave freedom to talk about however you wanted and talk about like which teachers and like, without trying to support that, I don't like teaching like, or like supporting kids putting down teachers, but like, um, they were like, we want to do something. We want to like create something. We want to like, uh, like do a project and we talked about all of that. So we came up with this idea of creating a Harlem Renaissance museum in my classroom. And it was awesome. I have a whole video about this somewhere, but like kids that like one of my favorite students ever, just uh, Genesis Hernandez, like made um, a cardboard um, grand piano, like to scale. And like, it worked like, cause they like inset a keyboard inside of it. Um, so other kids just made like these grand, amazing, like somebody made like a video and then like we put it on the tv in the room and it went on loop and it talked about who their person was and their history and stuff and like we added all these interesting components to so like there was a writing component and a visual component and a speaking component but it was like through the lens of something that or through the lens of like actually something the kids wanted to learn about but then also in a way that they wanted to learn and that just really really helped and so i think that that was something i did right that was a long answer, but.
0: I don't think anyone ever asked me that. Before. I kind of feel
1: like we already answered that. Uh, let's see. Kimberly Walbeck is saying, what is the next conference that you'll be going to? I speak next weekend.
0: Well, yeah, but I can't- Yeah, I was, so we go,
1: this week's so great. Have off tomorrow. We go to VaynerMedia, meet with Gary Vaynerchuk and his people again. Um, so if you've not seen this dude before, looking up uh, Gary V on YouTube is awesome. Um, we go meet with him on Friday. And then Monday- Saturday morning, I'm going to Marywood University, which I believe is in Scranton, PA. It's about two hours away from where I live. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, and that's a whole day. I think it's like a nine to three gig or something like that. If I'm speaking yeah. But your biggest
0: conference that you're going, you'll be at uh, South by Southwest. South by
1: Southwest is the biggest conference I'll be at. And so that's it's huge. It's that's uh, at. In Austin, Texas. in Austin, Texas. And then ISTE is the next like super huge. Con- like those are like like the big, the, like super big conferences. Um, but ISTE's in Philly this year, which I'm stoked about. My buddy, speaking to teacher conferences, the diary of a mad black teacher is saying, hi, I missed you all. Um, I have a job interview coming up. Any tips for someone who hasn't interviewed in years? I'm quite nervous. Um, yeah, like that's a great question. So I think one is learning about the school and what you're going to interview for, right? So like, look them up, read their website, find out like, is their basketball team doing really well? Is their football team doing really well? Um, Is there something that they're doing in the school that you're excited about that you're like, Hey, look, if I got the job here, I'd even love to be a part of like this committee that you have going on or this, you know, program that's going on. Because I think what that does is um, and then if you have questions about it, what that does is it flips the conversation. You do not become the one that's just answering the questions. It's you going on offense and asking questions at the school to see if they're a good fit for you. And I think that that is a very big deal. Um, And then I think, gosh, I mean, there's so much that kind of goes into that, but I find that when I'm in interviews with people um, folks that don't fake it, that like, like that, if I ask them a question about something in particular, like, I'm not really sure about that. Like, could you tell me a little bit more? Maybe I know it as a different term or maybe I, I know it as a different By a different definition, like can you explain that that thing to me real quick? And then not trying to oversell myself. I think just trying to be personable and and coming in wanting to be a part of the community. Like the community is something that's important to you, and you want to bring all that you've learned from the last twenty some years of teaching into this place. um, Is what I. That's kind of how I would bring it. Um, so look, I hope that you have a great time too. Um, and that's like a great interview and stuff like that. And like, so let me know also like shoot me a email or something. I'd love to know like how the interview went and and all that stuff too. Uh, Steph, one oh eight is saying I'm struggling to get
0: what? Okay.
1: I'm struggling to get kids motivated to read. Uh, we are departmentalized and I am the sole ELA teacher in the fourth grade. I let them read what they want, but there are a lot of kids that are, that still skim through. Do you have any recommendations to motivate kids to read? So look, I, I think that's a, that's a really tough question <clears throat> um, I, that I deal with all the time. It's, it's constantly trying to reconfigure like how I'm going to do this. So one of the ways I do it is I come in every week and I either have the book or I have a slide of the book and I'll be like, all right, this is the book that I'm reading right now. Um, and the reason I'm reading this book is because of this reason. And there was a really great part in it the other day that I want to read to you real quick, or, or when we have silent, sustained reading time, I let the kids sit or lay wherever they want. You can go anywhere you want. You have five minutes or or less to like grab your book and get a space in the room. And then it's like freeze tag. Like everyone's frozen. You're not allowed to move anywhere else until, unless I tell you to. When that happens, um, I find that students are more comfortable. They are more apt to read. And my friend, Kobe Sharp talks about this all the time. Um, I think the other thing is when we're done reading, I do one of two things. I will either ask them a question about their book, like, Hey, did anything, did anyone have anything awesome that happened in their book today or something surprising that happened in their book today or something that they really love that happened in their book today? And then kids will share what they kind of read. And a lot of times that builds interest for whatever book they're reading. So like, if they're reading Ready Player One or After the Shot Drops or whatever book they're reading and they share a part of that, um, it makes kids interested in that book. Or the other thing I do is I read from the book that I'm reading. So right now I'm reading a book called uh, You Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, which is like a super badass book. And in the book, I like once <clears throat> I'm reading it, I make a little notation and I'll read like three paragraphs to students. And I'll say, hey, look, before we're done, I just want to share this like really awesome part from my book and then talk about it. And then that also brings interest to students that are that are like want to read. The other thing I would do is is not an answer I'm going to be able to give you. But my friend Colby Sharp, C-O-L-B-Y Sharp, is on YouTube. And you could just DM him or send him an email through his YouTube channel. He is a reading expert like this guy friggin loves books you can just look him up send him a message and i'm sure he'll have 10 different pieces of advice for you to like uh on on what to do so just tell him that i sent you over there and um i don't know how that benefits you but you know just be cool um so yeah that's who i, I would hit colby sharp up i williams my student is asking my dad isn't too happy about me wanting to be a teacher he wants me to be a doctor or something for the money How do you sell him on the passion conquers all argument? Um, I, you know, I mean, I think that's interesting. Like my parents didn't want me to go to college. Like they thought it was a waste of time and money. They wanted me to just join the union with everyone else. I think it's a time game. I think, you know, it's also a fact of like remembering that, like you're a really smart kid. Like you could go on and do anything you want. I think your dad probably knows that. I think your dad probably also
0: said his dad says uh tells him that he's not achieving his like potential by being a teacher okay
1: and so i think the tricky part with that is that like is remembering that what your dad's doing is out of love and is out of like wanting his child to be safe right like we all want for our kids like every parent wants their kids to be to have better than what they had to be able to do better than than they've done and that's really where your dad's coming out of like he doesn't want you have to like worry about money or worry and which is a real worry for like teachers. Like it's, 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 it is passion is sometimes just not enough in terms of like, you can't pay your mortgage with passion, but um, I think, you know, but being in a dead end job and like being in something that you hate is not going to kind of win either. So, you know, I think it's really comes down to like, sitting down and talking with your father and explain to him why it is that you want to do what you want to do and then really hearing him out and then like just having the conversation of like look maybe you go to college maybe you start taking education classes and you don't like it right like be open to that switch if that happens um and that might help ease his mind too but like ultimately he's gonna think what he's gonna think and you're gonna think what you want to think but i think um I, you know that's that's what's coming to mind. So look, I, I, let me ask this. let me ask this of the people that are that are in the the, the chat right now. Um, has anyone in the chat had a problem where their parent did not want them to go into the field of teaching or maybe that's happening right now, I don't know. And then how did that play out? like how did you kind of win? that moment. You don't have to win the argument necessarily, but like, how did you deal with that? It'd be really interesting because I'm here as a student of mine, I just like to be able to give him some good advice for that. And, and I feel like uh, it's been a minute since I've gone through that. So if you could answer that, that'd be awesome. Uh, right at the top there. Mm-hmm. Uh, alasan Alison? What? I think I did that right maybe. Um, how do I handle a child with ADHD? I look, I, I think every kid with ADHD you have to remember that it's not their fault that it is like, it is something inside of them. It's something that is just different from everyone else. And that when we try and take ADHD kids and make them sit still and make them be silent it is damn near impossible for them. And it's not fair. So that being said, you can't just have like dudes running amok, right? Like I have guys that come in and they're like, but I have ADHD. And then they think they can do like whatever they want. That's not the case. Um, so I try to set the room up. So I set them up with success. Maybe that's stand up desks. Maybe that's, and all this can be DIY too. Like it doesn't have to mean you have to have tons of money to go buy bougie stuff. Um, stand up desks. Uh, I give kids like literally will either tape off on the floor where you're allowed to move or I'll say like, do not pass this cabinet or this cabinet or this desk. But like, if you want to walk around or move around in this space back here, do it. Um, I give them a lot of jobs. I, uh, one of my things I'm working on making is like, it essentially looks like an upside down top and kids can stand on it and they can just teeter and totter back and forth. Um, there's, you know, things like bringing in pipe cleaner, like stuff in the dollar store you can get is like pipe cleaners. You can get, you can get pieces of Velcro. You put it under their desk so that they're essentially like sitting at their desk and their fingers are underneath, like feeling the Velcro. And that can give you something to do, um, things they can wrap around their pencils or unwrap around their pencils or mess around with. Uh, somebody, a teacher at my school gets, um, those bands that are like, uh, you used to like put exercise your, bands. yeah, no, the, the other Johns um, exercise bands will work too, but they don't sell them at the dollar store. Um, with like the hooks on the, on the ends, what the hell are they called? You like strap oh, stuff to your roof, yeah roof, bungee cords, you strap things to your roof with and puts them from leg to leg. Uh, now look, some dollar stores don't have them that they're long enough, but some do, or they're long enough and you put them across and then the kids can like literally like bounce their feet on them. Um, or other people have gotten like those their sponges that used to wash your car, but they have like these little nubs. It looks like a green sponge with dreadlocks coming off of it. And that's just something you can put on your hand and like twist and mess with. So what you're doing is creating an outlet for that child to do something with all of the excess energy so that they can focus, right? So that when they're when I'm sitting here messing with my pencil that has like this rubber thing on it then I can now focus on what you're saying because I can do something, right? And that those are just the easy ways that are like the dollar store DIY ways that I've come up with with dealing that stuff. Someone
0: said wool felt
1: balls. Uh, Reynolds, wool felt balls work too. So Indie Kitty, what, what are those?
0: What do you use them for? Like yeah,
1: like where, them? or where, I'm not sure like where you get them from and stuff like that. That would be awesome. Uh, ADHD does better with standards and rules. Yeah, I, I think finding things that are consistent too, so there's not like a a mystery every day. It's like the same
0: sort of any thing. boundaries. Like, yeah, like and I also uh, uh, specific to our son. Like I know a lot of times he isn't looking like he's listening. He's not paying attention to the teacher. That's really good, point. but yeah, he really is listening. He just so
1: the boy will do exactly this. So let's do this. Let's act it out. You, yeah, you're reading the book and I'm Brody. And then here's Brody, when you're reading the book.
0: I don't wanna actually read it to you. (laughs) It's pretty much what he does.
1: And then I go, bro, can can you sit still? I'm reading to you. Dad, I know what you're saying, I just can't sit still. All right, what did I just read? And then whole, like, give me the whole rakshi of what I just said, right? after after doing that so it's being still doesn't equal paying attention all the time like sometimes it's like you know moving around is like
0: they really need to you this. really
1: need to just do this um and then taking frequent breaks let them go get a drink let them go like help. <laughs> let them help you out doing stuff um wool ball wolf felt balls are cat toys that you can get them on amazon oh awesome um sound I thought a sheep got neutered, so I wasn't really sure what was going on there. But um, that's awesome. I'm going to check that out. Uh, Did I just see Kate the Sleepy Teacher on
0: here? Yeah. Kate the Sleepy
1: Teacher. Kate the Sleepy Teacher might be coming to Miami also. Um, I just let that cat out of the bag, Kate. It's a new celebrity. Um, Stacy, the Stacy Squad says, hi, how did you decide which subject you wanted to teach? I love your videos and... New to your channel, I'm thinking about becoming a history teacher or an art teacher advice. First of all, thank you very much for that, uh, those kind of words. Um they so I think I went to school because I thought I was supposed to go to school, and then I realized I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do in school. So I had I got to a point where I had to pick a major, and it was either art, history, or English. And although, you know, I had heard Henry Vollins say this the other day, and I thought it was interesting. Although I think I'm the artist type, I don't think I'm an artist. So art wasn't like my jam cause I didn't like, I couldn't do it. Um, so I picked English. And so I went to school to teach English because I liked the idea of it. English is literature is a great launching off point for a hundred different things, right? So like um, for like to talk about real ideas, to talk about real world stuff that like even though Fahrenheit 451 was written so long ago it is still completely relevant today. Lord of the Flies, completely relevant today. Like the Odyssey was written thousands of years ago, but the hero's journey is still exactly the same today as it's ever been. And we're all on our own hero's journey. So that is why I liked that was because I learned all those lessons and I loved literature for that reason. I also think that reading is the most most important thing that you can learn in, in school is reading and writing. I think that you could totally destroy your life but if you can read and write you can reinvent yourself when you're when you're ready to so i think all content areas have that like i i think that they all have something to them that draws me in like i'd love to also be a science teacher i actually i would i would not want to be a math teacher but that's cuz i literally suck at math um and it's very hard and it's not interesting to like the concept of it is extremely interesting to me um it's not interesting for me to like to do, like, it's just, it's not my jam. Like, it's like, I like playing drums, but I would never want to play saxophone. It's just not my jam. Um, They, like history would be very interesting to me. So I think there's, I just think like, it's not about just the subject area, but it's like, what are you trying to teach um, about really? Like what's like the underlying theme there? Uh, Esther Lynn, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan? Let's go with Ryan. Is saying, how do you address chatty classes uh, and rating them back into a lesson? I have a couple of ways that I do. I actually just filmed a video about this. I count, and this is so preschool, but I literally count back from five and I find that it works every single time. Um, I use humor a lot of times. So, like, I will call the kids weird stuff. So, like, when I start class, I'll be like, all right, animals, everybody listen up. And then I always have some aggravated kid that goes, wait, you can't call us animals. And then I'm like, well, I mean, you are paying attention now. So now, you know, if that's what works, um, I find that giving timed, uh, assignments. So like when you come in the class, you literally from when that bell rings, you now have five minutes to have, cause your journal was part of the pre-class it Said take out your journal, put your homework on your desk. Now you have five minutes to write that journal entry. If you do not get it done in five minutes, because you were struggling and you couldn't think of an answer and you were really sitting there and thinking about it. Cool. You have a little bit of extra time, but if you're talking, if you're screwing around, if you, you know, had no idea what was going on and now five minutes is up, guess what, bro? The train's moving on and you're left behind. Like we're going on to the next thing. So you just chalk that grade and kids won't keep chalking grades over and over and over again. They kind of get the gist of it when they see their grades slowly going down because they're screwing around the beginning of class. Um, And then, So on my board, it's everything's timed. And then I also, I promise um, time at the end of class. I often give the last five minutes or so to just chill. So it's like, look, I realize you've been asking, you've been asked all day to just work, right? And lunch is very, you know, is very fast. And there's not a lot of time to talk with your friends or like in the hallways, only like three to five minutes breaks in between classes you can't really hang out they want you to keep moving so i'll give you five minutes but i need to get through this stuff and if we don't get through it then that five minutes disappears um or incentivizing things like i do weird fridays um or this friday we actually got done reading a book called shooter and we're talking about uh character motivation and so i showed them or we watched the read the story called the sniper and then we watched a show called shooter that's on usa the first episode and I said, look, we could read another story to talk about motivation, character motivation, but it's a Friday and you did a really good job this week. So like, how about we watch this show, which is an hour long, which is a show that everyone loves the first episode because it's really good. And then that's like the incentive that I built into it. So I think that that works too. Um, and then I have a hundred other weird incentives like cereal day. And this year we're going to have uh, top ramen day. that that's a lot cheaper. Um, and it smells delicious. And yeah who doesn't like powder that tastes like shrimp.
0: Wasn't that Nahara's uh, suggestion?
1: Yeah, she did that too. Um, Kim H is saying, I am contemplating leaving my school at the end of the year. I'm torn because there are aspects I enjoy, but I don't know if there are enough, if there are enough to keep me there and vice. So Kim, I think, look, I, I get this question a lot from people. And I think that just not every school is worth staying at. Sometimes it's just not the right fit. And sometimes the schools are just not worth being at. Like, my first school that I was at, I didn't realize um, how bad it was until I left and went to a new school. And it wasn't just the grass is greener kind of a thing. It was like actual, like having a principal that backed me no matter what. Having an assistant principal that backed me. Having an assistant principal or a dean that I could text because I was having a problem with a student in class. And they actually came to my class like post haste to take, help me take care of the situation. Um, That was a really big deal. Having autonomy in the classroom was a really big deal. So, and I didn't have any of that at my first school. Like it was, it was a a shit show at best, but, um, there were aspects, there were people I liked, there were definitely things about it that I loved and I saw all the potential there, but then there was stuff about it that just like, like that I did not like, like the, the admin, I didn't like the, the, kind of showrunners I didn't like the, like there was things I didn't like. So look, I think one of my favorite examples is my friend, Michelle, who runs a channel called Pocketful of Primary. Michelle was at a school. It was not a good fit for her for a number of reasons. She was not sure she wanted to teach anymore. She left and went to a different school and she loves it now. For the past couple of years, she's been there and she really, really loves it. And it was just that the school before wasn't a good fit for her. So I think, you know, the, sometimes it's, it's like a bad relationship, right? And to, you need to get out to be able to like, I don't know, find what you're truly capable of. Uh, uh, Audra Smith is saying, knees deep in a career change, <laughs> knees deep in a career change. What do you think are the benefits of becoming a teacher after having another career besides the obvious of having another skill set? I think that having life skills, right? So um, Audra, I would say, Like, so I didn't start teaching until I was 27. And at that time, that felt huge. Like I was five years behind everybody else that had already started teaching when they were 22. Um, I felt like such a newbie and it was weird for me. But then I realized that like, no, I've like been, like I've been traveled around the world. Like I've gone to Africa, I've from Africa to Puerto Rico to Jamaica to driven across the country by myself and had all these adventures and all this cool stuff happen. So like actually lived life. I'm not talking about, you know, what like I, like I was able to be relevant because I had been out in the world. It wasn't just theory. Um, I think oftentimes when people start teaching when they're 22, they just don't have enough life experience sometimes. And um, especially if you want to be a 22 year old senior high school teacher. And it's like these kids are like four years removed from you. Like you would end up at the same parties. Um that is difficult. So I think that you're bringing all that experience with you and all that wisdom with you and and knowing how to to juggle work-life balance and to do all these like adult things, you already have like down to some extent, right? And so bringing that with you is a really great thing. I think the only downfall I, I ever see from folks that go into teaching that were out in the world is they sort of like, they have an, an idea of what they think teaching is going to look like. And then when it doesn't look like that, they're like, well, shit, this probably wasn't a good move. It's like, no, it's just like, you have to figure out like what that school's like, like kids aren't just sitting there waiting for you to show up. So they have like a good teacher one day. And I think organizations like teach for America sell people that, that idea sometimes so, like TFA, like shows videos about like kids like waiting like poor black children in the hood waiting for someone to show up and please teach them. And it's not the case all the time. Like they can give a shit. If you show up, you got to sell them on why this is actually important. And then, you know, then you can make the jump after you build a relationship, then comes the trust. Then comes them allowing you to help them feel confident about stuff and then being able to teach what whatever they want to teach. Um, the pipe father is saying, would you do anything different while starting? Uh, would you do anything different while starting YouTube? I'm a career tech instructor, and why and why to start a channel for our niche group? We are masters of our trade and answering the calling. Um, so I would say, no, so look, I, I think the way to start YouTube, and I'm not great at this all the time because I do overthink stuff, but like it's just about putting out content um, that for me was that I wish I knew about. Like my content comes from, you know, now it it comes from a different place. It comes from like reading comments and getting emails from people and, um, going on other people's websites or blog posts and looking at questions. I look literally when I'm looking for ideas, sometimes I go through all these sort of, um, of these comments on the side here and, and I'm looking for those folks questions. And then I make a video out of that. But initially it was me just sort of scratching my own itch of if I made a video for for past me what would i would you lose it Uh, all right so for past me then that's how i'm i'm kind of making it and then don't make it too precious like don't get hung up on like look at most teacher youtubers and this is not a diss it's just a a comparison right to to say that there's two different ways to do this i really like my editing i really like creating those intros creating um something engaging to watch it. Cause, but I, I'm drawn to that sort of visual and it's fun for me to make those edits. Um, other teachers don't, they just start a video. Hey everybody, welcome back to my channel. Here's what I'm talking about today. And then that's a 60 minute video. Like someone like my friend uh, Bridget on the letter classroom will make these hour long videos that people watch the whole thing. And it's, it's her talking and there are very few edits in there. Right. And that's, but that's her jam and people like that. So it's like, your idea of what you think people are gonna like isn't always what they're gonna like. You have to sort of play to the market and then the market, as Gary Vaynerchuk always says, is they get to decide what's good and what's worthy. So just make stuff, put it out there and then see what works and then you know adjust from there. Megan Spear saying, hey Rounds, I know you said this before uh, that you will order any books for students that students will read, how do you fund that? So Megan, I either, what, okay. Um, if there's something real interesting, you can just screenshot that and then we can talk about it later. Um, so I, so the school, um, we don't have a library. Initially the school's idea was to have a library. Then they got rid of that. It was supposed to be my little tiny room that I have. Um, which everyone always thinks my room is gigantic. But it's really not that big. It just looks big on camera. And cause I shoot it like from a corner. And so you see this whole big swath of room that looks enormous. Um, they, so instead of that, we get a set amount of money every year. It's like $500 to order any books that we want. And so initially it was a thousand dollars we got. So like over two years of getting a thousand dollars to just order books for students, <clears throat> that was, that money was there. And so I ordered books and then they, you know, get ruined or they get lost or they get stolen or whatever. Um, and so in the last two years, it's really just been either replacing stuff or this year I didn't order almost anything that I wanted to order. I just told kids I would buy them anything that they wanted. But you could also do something like a donor's shoes um, or a lot of times like certain companies have money set aside for giving. So like I've gone to Home Depot a number of times and gotten thousands of dollars worth of free stuff from them because they have money set aside that is for giving away, but you just have to go ask for it. So go to Barnes and Noble, go to some other bookstore, go to like like find something um, that you can go to and ask them for free stuff, and say, hey, look, I work at this school. We don't have money for this because we dream on a budget, and so can we? Um, can we? Like, do you have anything that you could could give to us? And and you'd be really surprised at like the number of people that are worth that are that are willing to like give you free stuff. Uh, the pipe father is also asking, um, wait, I already did this one.
0: About.
1: Yeah. I'm teaching oh, did you have another one? Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. I didn't realize it was two part. Uh, I don't
0: think it was a two part. Okay.
1: So, so the pipe father is also asking, I'm a career tech instructor and I've been teaching a station rotation model. It's worked exceptionally well. It worked exceptionally well last week, but I don't want to become over complacent. Any more suggestions. Um, I think it depends on the kind of students you have. So like, really, that's a really great question for the people in the comment section. Also, there's tons of stuff that I would love to do, but going outside of my school doesn't always feel like the safest place to go. Or like, it's more, it's like the field's muddy or there's not enough supplies or we don't have the money to do something or um, I don't have the space to do something. So like we visited a school, Radnor PA is a wonderful school. in pennsylvania or right outside of philly it might even be considered philly that's neither here or there anyway they we were in a room because i met this really wonderful teacher from there and she gives the kids little bags right so little plastic bag or paper bags and they're filled with like 10 different dollar store items the kid's job was to go um create a product with just given the things that were in the bag and then you had to come back and market that product to the people in there. So they were talking about persuasive writing, taking those persuasive techniques, creating a product and then trying to persuade people to purchase this product. Um she then says, "All right, go find a space to do this and come back in 25 minutes." And then the kids left the room and found a space in the school where they could just chill and work on this. And I thought, you let your kids like leave the room? Like like they left the room and like went somewhere else. And you're trusting that they're not just like making out in a corner somewhere. Like, what, the hell? like, what world do you live in? But it was, all, and even my guys that we went to the school for the day, my students were like, Yo, Reynolds, are, we, are we allowed to like leave the room? I'm like, yeah, dude, like, don't act like this is like too new to us. Like go with the flow so we can like seem normal. Um, and so they left and then they came back and we did this thing and I, it was really great. So it really depends on like what your school is like, what kind of, supplies you have available to you what kind of time you have available to you so that's like a really great question if anybody in the comment section here has an answer to that that would be really awesome um aaron appelt is saying i left my corporate job after 19 years to teach high school i found a teaching residency program where you are matched with a mentor teacher for the entire school year thoughts on choosing your post back program um so i chose secondary ed because look i i think i connect with children of all ages um which is it just that made me feel like I was in a toy commercial for children of all ages um but to me I felt like ninth grade eighth seventh eighth ninth grade were my most confusing years right where like I didn't think like I didn't have any teachers in that time that I felt like were super great or like that I really connected with I always flew under the radar no one really noticed me um I had a lot of Like that's like, you're coming into your own around ninth grade, right? It's the first time I ever started like having purple hair or listening to music. That was like crazy different than my parents. Um, And I was trying to sort of like figure out who I was. And so I wanted to teach that grade level because I wanted to be there for students that were going through that kind of a thing. And so that's really where I came into that and then teaching, teaching that through literature allowed me to like help kids um really figure out who they are and what they were about and like what was like that it was okay to be who you are you didn't have to be somebody else or or just go along with the flow like let's celebrate how different you are um and that's kind of how i rocked that um
0: two questions this one got it
1: Kristen schnell is saying have you heard of penny kittle If so, what are your thoughts on book clubs versus whole class novels? I've never heard of that before. Um, So I think it's a great idea, uh, book clubs versus whole class novels. I don't have students that read on level. A lot of times I don't have kids that read very well all the times, all the time. I don't have motivated readers. I don't have kids that want to learn how to read or want to read in general. So the idea of doing a book club is like, now i have to expect that everyone's reading that book and actually doing their part and if they're not they're like actually holding other folks back is my is my is what i'm thinking intuitively but i'm not really sure but if you have if i had a class of like honors or ap kids or just a group of like some kind of like freak period a day that of kids that loved reading then that would be different um, I could totally at least see doing that as like some sort of extra credit where you're running like an after school program for kids that are doing that. Because I think that reading something you want, doing it in a small group and acting that out together is like is is the game changer because now you're just having conversations like adults do, and it's not so prescriptive. Like read this, answer these questions, you know, the regular old crap, it's like something more fun, but you have to find that right group of students, I think, to be able to do that with. Uh, last question my wife is saying is Ashley Smith. Ashley, that's a very interesting way that you spell your name like that. Very cool. Um, I'm a new pre-K teacher. I'm finding it hard to reach necessary levels of energy and creativity that are needed at uh, all of the time. You're a very creative, energetic teacher. How do you maintain it? So, um, I think it is a mix that I'm not the same way every day.
0: Oh gosh, I don't, how do I, I don't know how. I don't know. How the hell do I do that? Wait, what was the question? I'm How do you sorry. stay
1: like energetic and creative all the time? It's it's well,
0: I think you have a large bag of of creativity and tricks that you've just pot and compiled over the years. Yeah, and um, I don't think that you're positive all the time. I think you're just like any other human. Not positive, positive. just
1: energetic. Even when I'm angry, I'm energetic.
0: I guess you just know that you put on the show. It's a show.
1: Yeah, it just feels like. It, it, To be honest, Ashley, I think it's like doing theater is what I would think, right? Or like being in a band. Like you go out and you put on the show. Like the show must go on every single day. But I do – like you're right. I do have like a bag of tricks of things. Like I have the jokes that I know are going to work every single year. There's the stories I know that are going to crush every single year. There's the activities that I know are going to crush every year. And then once you know those, you don't have to Mm -hmm. do it every single day all the time. Like that's that's – that's like – how do I make this sound not weird? I don't know. I'm f I am I don't know why I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking if you like someone, right, you like making out with them. But you won't want to make out every single day all the time, right? You have to like you have to it's interspersed and then there's other times for just regular stuff like watching TV together or like washing dishes. And then sometimes you make out, but like <laughs> doesn't have to be every single day all the time, right? I get but that's a weird metaphor to make when you're talking about school. I think the bottom line there is like you sprinkle enough of that in so that the kids have a really great sense of that. Um, but you don't have to be on 11 all the time. Let the kids be on 11. Let them take the stage, like hand over the the, the microphone sometimes. So let the kids kind of like create that space. You're just creating the safe, wonderful space for everyone to be creative, for everyone to be excited. And then you literally start living, like as Rob Deerdeck would say, you start living in the energy. Your classroom creates an energy in which students enter in, they feel safe, they feel like they can be themselves, they feel like they can talk out loud, they feel like they can make mistakes and fail, even on the pre-K level, right? And then when that's happening, I am not the generator of all the creativity and energy all the time. I'm living off the energy of the students sometimes too. And then it becomes this sort of like, um, synergistic thing instead of like you being the powerhouse. Okay,
0: Can you answer this one? I can
1: answer this one. They what you got?
0: Heart, like when they...
1: It's president's day tomorrow.
0: Okay. Uh, miss whatever. Um, you know, and
1: that's her fault. Miss remedy, miss mm-hmm. remedy, number, 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 number <laughs> afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I deal with disrespect and attitudes? Middle schoolers. Ah, I hear you. Um, in the first year teacher who came in in the middle of the year, I took a place of a highly energized, charismatic, strict teacher. Bam! That's a recipe for disaster. Um, she says,
0: and I'm completely different. I feel like I'm completely drowning due to the situation. All right.
1: So look, I think Miss um, Remedy, I think one, yeah, you grind it out until the end of the year. And I think you try, but here, here's the thing if they already don't like you, or if they're giving you crap already, you can just try a whole bunch of different stuff and see what works and see what doesn't work. And then make a record, literally write those things down, what worked, what didn't work, and then try it again next year. It's almost like if you're going to get into a fight and get your ass kicked, you go in and you try as much stuff as you can. And then you see like, maybe later, all right, my roundhouse really worked, but like my jab was really weak. And so I have to figure out how to do that. Um, And I think it's just noting those things and remembering that it's a learning process, even for you. And that next year you get to start from a completely blank slate, but look, some things will go really great next year and some things will still suck. And then you have to make notes of the, literally making notes of those things and then learning from that process as well. Um, I think not trying to be that other teacher, like letting those kids know, like, look, I'm not that other teacher, but you need to know that more than anything, I want to be here. Like I care about being here. Like I'm here for a reason. Um, and you don't have to like me, but that doesn't stop this like train from moving. And then I think you whittle them down. I think you sit with kid after kid one at a time, whether you're helping them with an assignment, whether you're asking them what their favorite movie is, whether you're asking them what they did over the weekend and not in a teachery way. One of the worst things teachers do is be teachery all the time. They even let like yeah. their conversations with students be... Like, you th- like, example, if you've had, a like,
0: what was the example that you were trying to say, you were at that conference and a teacher said, oh. like, how you told them how to handle something. And then they said, oh, like this. And you were like, no. But so I was at a history. conference
1: <laughs> in Hershey and a teacher who was trying, who was new at their particular position, um, was trying to do something in their library, right? So they're, they're the library person. They're trying to create a space in the library that the kids want to be in. Um, and the way that they, and look, she is a wonderful woman. And I was, I've, every time I've talked to her, I just like, I just know I I can talk to her this way because I know that she's, I know she's going to be great. Like I can already, I can sense it about her. And so when she was telling me how she interacts with the students or the things that she, the ways in which she interacted, it just seemed prescriptive and like very teachery, like, um, kind of like, when parent like my parents' friends used to come over and they'd, they it was always the same conversation with me. Oh hey CJ, how you doing, man? Cool, cool. How's school going? And I'd be like, good. And they're like, oh good, good, good. Um, staying so out of trouble. All right, all right. What about uh, you know, playing sports this year? Yeah, I'm playing. Um, playing drums. Ah, oh, no sports this year. Oh man. All right. Cool. Well, look, man. Good luck. Are your parents around? Then they would go talk to my parents with us. And no one ever came in and was like. Gave me, like, it would have been even better if someone threw me in a headlock and gave me a noogie. If someone came in and was like, did anyone like, like, if they knew what TV show I liked and they were like, um, asked about Alf when I was a kid or Fraggle Rock or, or Scooby Doo or like Nintendo or like, like, if someone knew about Metroid or Contra when I was a kid and they were like, yo, I'm on Contra. Let me just ask you this real quick before I go hang out with your parents. Do you like the bazooka better or the machine gun or like, it would have, Made my head explode,
0: oh, oh, damn, damn. Dude, right, right. dude.
1: If Maybe. someone, if, someone that it, code. if somebody was like, <laughs> did you, yo, CJ? I listened to the new Tribe Called Quest album, and I really think this song's trash. But like this song is the jam. It would have made my head explode because I would have it would have it was like someone took the time to know what I'm interested in to get to know me, and I think that's the that is the game changer all the time is getting to know what your students like. And then talking to them like they're actual real people and that what they are interested in actually matters to you and not just the other way around. I think that's how you win every time. And then um, and then just be yourself and just try to have fun. And you'll see that that will work over time. Students all here's the bad part about this. Right. Students that I have in ninth grade always remember my classes being far better than they they think it was way way better than what it actually was it's like old people talking about the good old days it is always this sense of like you know Reynolds class was always the best and we did this and we did this and we did this and they name a couple of things but they forget the day-to-day grind of the things I was making them do that the all the hours we spent actually reading silently or actually just writing about stuff like they forget that. And they only forget, remember the fun things. So the, that's a battle you're battling against too. It's like kids remembering just the good old days. And now, Oh, here comes new teacher. That's going to try and do it different. It's not as cool as the old teacher, but you know, have faith. It will, it will absolutely get there. Is that it? Yeah. Cool. We're going to stop there. Cause we're now an and 33 minutes in. Um, and I still have to go for a run and it's like friggin' two degrees outside. Um, so look, uh, if you are in the marywood university area coming up if you're in miami um, next month or somewhere near miami and you want to go to a conference possibly for free please hit me up um in a in an email there's an opportunity for that and i would love to get you that information if you're interested in that i'm also going to be in austin next month at the south by southwest conference if you're anywhere near there i'd love to hang out love to meet even if you can't make it to the conference Um, i don't know anything about austin i've never been there so if you want to go like i don't know buy cowboy hats and spurs uh, we could do that or just go eat a bunch of food and drink beer. Um, that's cool, too. And that's it, right? Nothing else going on? Radical. All right, everybody. I hope you have a great, super awesome night. And if you have off tomorrow celebrate President's Day, cool. But if you live in a different country, then you don't. So have a great day tomorrow, and that's it. Peace. Awkward ending as usual. Hitting all